Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you've enjoyed this sermon from our series, Wisdom for Life, a study on Proverbs. For more information about CBC, go to the website, cbcsavannah.com. Lord, you are good, even though there is evil in the world. We see your good in Christ in demonstrating his love and that while we are sinners, he died. Lord, we know that there is fallenness and brokenness because of sin, but it doesn't make it easy. And so I just pray for this family and this great loss, that as a church, we would love them well. I pray that the spirit of Christ would draw them to himself. And Lord, I pray that through this, you'll be glorified and that many will come to know you. I pray for this neighborhood, um, that young men and women would come to faith and live lives worthy of the gospel and that there would be life change, and that there would be redemption, and that we, because as you put us here, Lord, that there, this neighborhood would be fruitful, because we believe that your, your spirit is power and is life-changing, and so that, that we would see that, Lord, one person at a time. I do pray for our time in the, in the Proverbs this morning. There's a lot to cover. It's a big topic. It is a hard topic. Please help me to be clear and accurate and true and even though I am sometimes a fool, Lord, and I act like a fool, that you would help me proclaim wisdom by your spirit uh, so that your church is built, so that so Christ is exalted, and so that people are edified and equipped to follow you, Lord Jesus. That's our prayer uh, in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Have a seat. For those of you who are kind of new, you have, you've been here the last couple weeks, I have not been on Bill. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Been out of town for a little bit. Um, tried to talk the elders into planning CBC San Diego, uh, but they weren't, in, they weren't into that. So I was like, oh, I got to come back to Savannah. So I was volunteering to go. I mean, I was, I was ready, my family. Um, but we're glad to be back. We started a new series last week called Wisdom for Life. We're in the Proverbs. Uh, and when you think about wisdom... What we're not talking about is information. What we're not talking is rules, is letters before or after your name. We're not talking morals and using big words and philosophy. We're not even talking about you know, being Yoda, although that's good, all right? Um, what we're talking about ultimately is knowing what is true and then doing it. That's really at its core what wisdom it is, knowing the truth and then doing it. And there is a perception in our culture, that Christians are a bunch of morons. And quite honestly, some of them are. But but Jesus said that we were to be as wise as serpents and as, as innocent as doves. He doesn't want a bunch of morons running around. He wants those who are wise, right? And so what we're, we're looking at is what does it look like to be wise? Uh, according to the Proverbs, which were principles written primarily by Solomon that show us what wisdom looks like when it's lived out. And we started last week, David kind of unpacked it for you. There is an entry point to wisdom. It's not college, it's not public school, it's not whatever. There's one point into wisdom. And if you don't get that, then you don't get the rest of it. The beginning of wisdom was what? It's the fear of the Lord. It's knowing who God is, what he has done. That is the beginning. That is the entry point. Everything else hinges on that. If you don't get that, it doesn't matter. Whatever I say for the next eight to nine weeks, you miss it. 
And it may seem too simplistic. You're like, that's it. That's the beginning of wisdom. That may seem simplistic to the world. But Jesus says that he's destroying the wisdom of the world. And it's the, the wisdom of God that matters and the gospel, the power of God for salvation. That's where it begins. And so, look, everything else hinges. It builds upon last week's message. And so if you weren't here, uh, you know, go back and listen to it online as David unpacked kind of the fear of the Lord and looking at that. But what we're going to do for the next eight or nine weeks is we're going to just kind of look at different snapshots of the Proverbs. And, and the Proverbs are different than every other book we've ever done. We normally will start at the beginning of a book, work our way through a book all the way to the end. We just did it with Malachi before we did it with Acts, before we did it with, I don't remember, but we did something before that too, all right? That's what we normally do. But you can't do that with Proverbs. It's not the way they're written, all right? Because each proverb is almost like a standalone proverb sermon. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at different topics, which Solomon brings up constantly, and we'll kind of kind of combine them together and talk big picture about what does he say about this topic and this topic and this topic and this topic as it relates to wise living, all right? And what these are meant to be done, and especially for the original audience, is memorized ultimately. Because they didn't have their own copy of the Proverbs. Oh, read a proverb a day. It keeps the devil away. They didn't have that. Okay? So they were memorized these little statements because it was, it was truth. Simplistic truth, but truth. And so here's my challenge to you. Take two a week. We're going to be in here for the next nine weeks. Just take two of these little verses a week, and you commit them to memory. I'm going to give you like 38 today. All right? So, so take two of those, two that kind of strike you as important, and memorize them. Have your kids memorize them. Okay, hiding God's word in your heart so that you might not sin against him. And so these will bring wisdom out as you live these things out as these principles guide us, okay? So we're going to look at these principles. And today we're going to talk about a topic that you might, this probably when you think about being wise and living a wise life, this was not be at the top, right? But it is one of the ones at the top, right? It's the topic of friendship, of having friends. And as some of you are like, sweet I got like 800 of them on Facebook. All right, they do not count. In fact, we're going to talk about that because that's the problem, okay? The fact that you have 800,000 Twitter followers and no one cares, okay? So let's talk about friends. Here's where we're going. We're going to see the value and the need of friends. We're going to see how to choose friends, and then we're going to close with how do we maintain these friendships that God has called us because they are in need. Okay, that's where we're going. We're going to look at lots of different verses. Just You're not going to have time to turn no more. So you look at the slide, you can write them down and go back and visit them this week and kind of spend time with them, okay? So friendship. Think about who, when you, when you think of famous friends, where does your mind go? Bert and Ernie? I go to Han and Chewy, best friends, right? Maybe you're Starsky and Hutch. Somebody from last night's like, Starsky and Hutch. I'm like, who's that? I don't know who that is. Maybe it's Wayne and Garth, Woody and Buzz, Right? Jack Bauer and Chloe, that's a good one. Skipper and Gilligan, right? Lenny and Squiggy, and these are all my generation. I don't know who your friends are, right? But these are all the people I, I grew up watching on television. There's something about those relationships that were like, that's awesome, right? There's some, there is a desire, a secret desire, although it's a little bit flawed, of wanting to have 8,000 friends on. There's something there. And the reason is because you created in the image of a relational God have a desire that's innate to who you are for relationship. He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit in perfect relationship, and you in his image have a desire, and you were created for the purpose not only to have a relationship with him, but have a relationship with other people. And it is a good thing because he is a God of friendship. 
right? He, he, he says J, that Abraham was a friend of God. He says to the disciples the night he is betrayed that I don't call you my slaves anymore. I call you my friends. The whole, the whole idea of walking with God is an idea. It's a metaphor for friendship, that Adam and Eve were walking in the cool of the garden. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds good. It's a friendship illustration. Sitting at his banqueting table is a friendship illustration. And so we have a God who is a God of friendship, who has created us for friendship, and it is a need. And what we would say is this, if you don't have friends that are pushing you towards Christ, then you are half the Christian you should be. When we talk about community and Bible, and one of the, the five core values of our church, the specs as we call them, is community. And if you don't have community, then you are not as fulfilled as a follower of Christ as you could be because it is a need because you need people to speak truth and you need them to stir you up. And so we, we talk a lot about this, but there's a value to friendship. And so here, here's kind of some of the verses that Solomon deals with this. First one's this, Proverbs 17, 17. When we talk about the value of friends, he says this, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Now, this may be a little bit confusing. This is why last week I know everyone was like, Bill said to talk about parallels in the sermon. Uh-huh. I heard about all about it. You know, I, I listened online. I heard y'all laughing right, at me. <laughs> but the reason parallelism is important is because it helps interpret this passage. It's not saying a brother is born to fight. Brothers fight. That's not what it's saying. It's, it's equating a friend from a brother, and it's actually saying that a friend is as good as, if not better, than a brother. You know why? Because when adversity comes, your brother's got to be there, right? I mean, because he's blood. Family does what family has to. But the thing is this, family doesn't have to like you. They just have to because they're family. But a friend is there because of choice, because they want to be. And so Lewis, in his book, The Four Laws, which I didn't read because it's way too above me, I'm I'm a lion witch in a wardrobe is all as I can handle for Lewis. But I read the summary on Wikipedia, all right? And, he, he, and the idea there, he says that the, the brotherly love, the friendship love is the highest of the natural loves because it involves choice. It's not biologically necessary. It's not just something that, that you, 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 it's part of what you're growing up, but it's something that's cho- chosen. That your friend chooses to love you at all times, which means at all circumstances, when you have bad breath, when you're hormonal, when you're grumpy, when you need to borrow $1,000, at all times. But here's what I want you to notice. It's not 7,000 friends love at all times. It's what? One friend. It's singular. A friend loves at all times. And here's why that's significant. It's easy to push a like or accept button. Oh, I like that. It's only take number 24 out of 50 with you on the beach and the sunset and your nice new dress and the kids are behaving and the Ferraris in the background and everyone likes that. Yeah, that's easy to like. What's not easy to like is when you're having to hold someone's hair back because they're throwing throwing up. Like, who likes that? It's not easy to like when someone says, I need $3,000. It's not easy to like when they call you at 2 in the morning bawling their eyes out. They don't know why because they're just depressed. It's not easy to like when they lose someone close to them and you just have to be there. There's no like button for that. But a friend loves 
at all times, right? At all times. Not many friends, a friend. And in fact, the next proverb says this, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend, again, who sticks closer than a brother, who cleaves literally to Hebrew. It's the same word that a husband cleaves to his wife, sticks close. He's what he's saying is one good True friend is better than 5,000 followers on Instagram because that one's going to stick. He's going to stick, right? And it is a unique, and it is a valuable, and it is a rare thing. It's rare. In fact, he later says this in 20 verse 6. He says, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love. That's like the like button. Look. He says, but a faithful man, who can find? It's hard. It is rare to find this, right? It, it's rare to talk about it, if you think about it. Because when I say, the, when I say love, even, what, what do you think about? We, we immediately go to romance, don't we? Even our songs. How many songs, when, when you talk about love, are romance songs? I hear love song, I go to Journey, like all spiritual people do. I go to Chicago, I go to REO Speedwagon. These are love songs, right? You may go to something else. I don't know, Hank Williams Jr. I don't know where you go. But that's where I go. But how many songs are written about friendship love? I mean, and I'm not talking about Ringo, I get high with a little help from my friends. That don't count, all right? Okay? I mean, how many friends songs? There's not a lot. Because it's a rarity. It's a rare thing. Here's what I want you to see. You don't have the capacity as a person to have infinite amount of close friends. You just don't. Because the depth necessary and the time necessary, it, you can only do this with a, a close few people. It is a rarity. David and Jonathan is a rarity in the scripture. In fact, when Jonathan's killed, David never has another friend like Jonathan. Never in his life. Never. Nathan was not his buddy. He was a prophet that told him the truth, but he wasn't his buddy. Jonathan was. Even Jesus himself, y'all, think about Jesus. He has 12 disciples who are his buds, and then he has three besties. James, Peter, and John, and that is it. That's it. Those are his, his closest buddies, and he's got nine other good friends, and that's it. It is a great model, and, and what I would encourage you is, is pursue a couple deep relationships, not a 1,000. Because if you're the person that has 7,000 acquaintances but zero close friends, here, here's probably why. You may know it, you may not. It's probably because you're, you have pride issues and you don't want people to see how messed up you really are. So you keep people at a distance and you got a bunch of them and everything's always perfect, but you don't let anyone in close to see how messed up you are because you don't, you, you'd be scared that they might not like you. That's the whole point. A friend loves you even though you're a knucklehead. And you need those two or three that are going to see all the way down. And it's a, it's a humbling thing, but you need to do it. And you need to let them in. Because a man of many friends is a man of none. Right? It is a need, and it is valuable. So here's the question we got to ask. Well, then how do I choose friends? And this is the big one, right? How do I choose? How do I find these people? Because what Proverbs teaches is that you will perish for lack of friends, but you will also perish because you have the wrong kind of friends, right? 
Because who are the most influential people in your life? When you're, a, when you're a young kid, your parents, your family, they're the most influential. When you grow up a little bit, who's the most influential? Your friends, those you hang with. The, your environment will shape you. It's just the way it is. You cannot escape it. Last week, when we were out in California, so we go to a Dodger game. We are, because of we're Fowlers, if you don't know this, we hate every baseball team except for the Phillies. We actually hate our own team too, but we hate everyone more. <laughs> All right? That's just the nature of being a Philadelphia fan, right? In the last place. But that's the way it is. So, but we go to a Dodger game because it's, it's Dodger Stadium. So we go, and I hate the Padres, and I hate the Dodgers, and I'm rooting for both teams to lose, but that's fine. But my wife goes off to the concession stand. We just get there. I mean, we're there five minutes. She goes down to the concession stand. She comes back. She's got a Dodger jersey on. <laughs> she, then my two boys, my youngest boys, I got three boys. My youngest two boys go off. They come back. They're wearing Dodger jerseys. I've spent $190 on cotton Dodger jerseys in five minutes. Now, I stay true to the end. I, I don't have color, either colors on. I'm wearing green. All right? I'm not wearing Dodger blue. I'm not wearing Padre camo or whatever they wear. We're in green. But the, the idea that you can be in an environment and not be influenced by it is silly. If you, well, I'm just, I'm strong enough. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived, and he let his 300 wives and 700 concubines, which in itself is dumb, but he let them pull his heart away from God because you cannot escape your influence. And I know all the parents are like, see, listen to him. I'm talking to them, and I'm talking to you. Because if you think that the kind of parents that you run with, you're not going to be like them, you will. And grandparents, I'm talking to you. If you think you're, you can just escape the influence of the culture around you, you cannot. This is not just for the middle schoolers and the high schoolers and the college students and the singles. This is for everybody. All right? So the, the friends you choose will impact you. So we're going to talk about who to look for, who not. Let's talk about who to beware, who, who to look out for first. And then we'll kind of tie the, the positive on the other side. First and foremost, you want to stay away from the fool. All right, 1320 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. The companion of fools will suffer harm. Now, she says, you're going to be like who you hang out with. If you go hang out with the wise, you'll be wise. You're going to hang out with the fools, you're going to be like them. So you want to look for the wise and not the fool. The question is, who is the fool? And, and ultimately, there's a lot of things the fool does in the book of Proverbs, but ultimately, the fool is the one who does not believe in God. The fool is the one who says in his heart, there is no God. The wise is the one who has the fear of the Lord. So what you are looking for in your closest friends is those who have the same foundation. If you are a Christian, you want your best friends in the world to be followers of Christ. Because just proximity is not enough to link you. Friendship needs a foundation. And liking the Dodgers or liking the Braves or playing golf or living in Savannah or being my roommate is not enough. You need something deeper that will last. And as a follower of Jesus, he is what lasts. So you need to look for that. And if you think, well, I'm fine, I can handle it, you think you can, but sooner or later you're going to be wearing a Dodger jersey. And I am not saying you should not be friends with non-believers. That's not what I'm saying. You, you should be. In fact, that's what you're called to do. But those who influence you the most should be on the same trajectory as you. They should be. Those who speak the truth into your life the most should be those who have the same purpose and goal to please Jesus. Right? That's, that's the first thing you look for is those who are walking with Jesus. Right? Here's the second one. 
Look out for the hothead, right? But Mr. Temper, chapter 22, verse 24 says this, make no friendship with a man given to anger, right? Pretty straightforward. Nor go with a wrathful man. Why? Lest you warn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. What happens to the animal that's caught in the snare? He gets eaten. It doesn't go well for him. It's better to be the eater of the animal and not the eated animal, okay? He says, stay away from Mr. Temper, from that teenager who's always blowing up at his parents, from that guy who's always yelling at his boss, from that guy who's always complaining about the government and the law and the this and the law and the go. Stay away from that guy. He's a hothead. He's always flipping out. You will be entangled in that snare. Better to be with one who is slow to anger, who, who the proverb says is greater than the mighty, right? Be with that guy. Be with the lady who doesn't flip out her kids every time they spill the milk in the back of the van. Be with the guy that just because the project goes, goes south, he's not losing his temper all the time and blaming everybody. That's the guy you want to run with, right? Stay away from the hothead. Stay away from the big mouth. And we're going to talk about, you know, just speech and the mouth in the next couple of weeks because it's a big theme in Proverbs. But the slander, the gossip, here's what 2019 says, whoever goes about slandering or gossiping, reveals secrets. Therefore, don't associate. Don't associate. Again, these are not, these are oversimplistic almost, but don't associate with the gossip. Why? Because you're, you're going to get his spin, and then you're going to start believing his spin, which is probably not even true. You're going to be believing this about that person, and you're going to have a spin, and you're going to get caught up in that web of lies. Not only that, if they're talking smack about that person when that person's not in the room, who are they talking about when you're not in the room? You. And are you gonna, is that guy going to go to bat for you when you need him? The bully? Is that guy going to defend you, that bully, who's, whether it's bullying at school or bullying on social media? And you say, well, I'm not the one doing it. I'm just friends with him. By not standing up to him and not stopping him, you are endorsing him and you're engaged in that. You're just like him. Don't associate. Here's the thing about the gossip and the slander. They're all about themselves. The reason they're talking smack about that person is because they're insecure and they want to be seen as better than them. Is that selfish person who's all about himself, is he going to love at all times? No. He's going to love himself at all times. He's going to love you at all times. Like when you struggle, he's going to go tell everyone how much of a knucklehead you are. Right? Don't hang with the big mouth. He separates. Look at 1628. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates friends. He is a divisive person. The person that's always rallying people to their side and trying to recruit to, to their position and this, it's a divider. Rather, look for 17.9, whoever covers an offense seeks love. The one who, who keeps his mouth shut, who doesn't dredge it up every six months. Right? That's the person. This has huge implications, by the way, for our community groups. When there is something shared in community groups, it stays in the community group. Because if it, if it doesn't, there cannot be trust. How can this person be willing and say, you know, we're having marriage struggle, blah, blah, blah. And then if they know that that person is going to walk out the room and go tell, oh, you wouldn't believe what I heard at community group. That is a divisive person who splits friends. Don't look, don't, don't roll with that person. Right? Because you'll be like them. You'll bring in their lives. Next thing, stay away from the party animal, right? All right, here's what 28.7 says. The one who keeps the law is a son with understanding, 
but a companion of gluttons. James, his father. A glutton is not just a dude that hangs out in Golden Corral all day long, okay? It's more than that. A glutton is someone who's excessive in every way. They're all about me and self and party, right? They're life of the party guy. It's the guy you go back to the reunion, and he's still doing beer bongs, and he's like 73 years old. And you're like, have you grown up, buddy? All right? It's that, that's what we're talking about. It's the guy that goes from the 24-hour halo party to the concert, to the tailgate, to the, to the you know, we're going to watch all the season one on Netflix for the next 73 hours. It's just excess, no control. Here's what, here's what Solomon says elsewhere about this guy. Do not be among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them. This is the end. Their end is destruction. Is it dead end street? Is this guy going to be there for you when you need him? Or is he going to be out and about, out partying it up? And you have to be very careful. Just listen to me. This is probably more for the young folks, but maybe some of you. If your friends are the ones that all you are is out till 3 a.m. every night downtown, I'm not saying it's bad to go downtown. It's not, have a blast. We have a great city. But if you're just downtown every night till 3 a.m., you think you're having an impact and a witness there? You're not. Nothing good happens at 3 a.m. except sleep. And babies being born, and that's even questionable if that's good at 3 in the morning. Okay? If you're not a cop or a doctor delivering babies, you ought to be asleep at 3 a.m. I'm just saying. It's, it's just silly to think, well, I'm having an impact. As they're getting blitzed and flirting with every girl at the bar. You're not. It's not wise. Right? Not saying don't go downtown, but I am saying you've you got to be wise about who you're with. And the partier, it's a dead-end street. Next one, the rebel. The rebel. Here's what, here's what Solomon says about the rebel, chapter 24. My son, fear the Lord and the king, and do not join with those who do otherwise. Don't, don't hang with the ones who don't fear the king. Don't listen to authority. Why? Disaster will arise suddenly. I know the rebel is cool, and he rides a Harley and wears a leather jacket. I know it's attractive. But the guy who's constantly bucking authority, forget what my parents say, forget what the boss says, forget what the government says. It may be cool, but it is a character quality you want to avoid because it leads to destruction. What you want is the, is the high school guy that's like, I got to call my parents. They wanted me to call them at 10 and let them know where I'm at. They're honoring their parents. When their curfew is 12, they're heading out at 1130 because they know they're supposed to be home at 12, not 1217. It's the guy at the office who's not just trying to sweep everything over the road. As long as I get the job done all right, the boss doesn't care. It's, it's the, the, the woman who is speaking respectful about her husband and not just trashing him in front of everybody. You want to you hang with those people. They know what authority is. Is there a time to, disres, to disregard authority sometimes? Is there a time to disagree disrespectfully? Yeah. But never in a way to dishonor. Right? You're going to be like that. Ruined comes from that, right? Avoid the opportunist. That's another one, right? The one that's there to get something. Here's what 19.6 says. Many seek the favor of a generous man. Everyone's a friend to a man who gives gifts. Of course. When you have something to offer, you got a big house, got a lot of money, got some fame, got some whatever, just, just don't, don't befriend the ones who are just there to get something. Because once you're gone, once you don't have that something anymore, they're not going to be there. 
This is David and Jonathan. This is the beauty of David and Jonathan. What does David have to offer Jonathan? David is taking Jonathan's throne from him, and he's giving it to him. He's there because he loves David, not because he has an agenda. It's the beauty of that friendship, right? You want to know who this is? Look around when you have nothing, when you're broke, when you've been a jerk, and the guy that's still there or the gal that's still there, that's the loyal friend. That's the one you want to be with, right? Because they're not there to get something. The opportunist. Stay away from the flatterer. This is the guy that tells you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. You do not need a posse. No one needs a posse, I, tell, I promise. You need someone to tell you the truth. Here's a couple of passages on this. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Right? It's a net. It's a trap. Here's, here's what he says next in 27.6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Everyone likes kisses, right? Kisses are sweet. Isn't that so nice? He says it's excessive. It's profuse. Who is the one in the verse that loves and who is the one who doesn't? The kisser is the one who hates. It's the enemy. The one who wounds is the one who loves. Judas betrayed with a kiss. You want not someone who's going to tell you what you want to hear, someone who's going to tell you what you need. There's a difference between wounding and hurting and harming, right? Jesus wounds, but he loves. He loved everyone well, but some of them walked away feeling a little wounded, didn't they? And if you're thinking, well, I just love them too much to tell them the truth, that's not what really is, is your, your, what's going on in here. What's really going on is I love myself too much to put myself out there to get hurt by saying this. That's what you're really saying. And you're, you're functioning as an enemy and not as a friend, right? Iron sharpens iron. We know that one. So one man sharpens another. Here's the thing about that. We love that verse. Yeah, iron sharp. We got iron sharpens iron ministry. Woo, we got a cool logo and everything, right? Here's the thing about that. When iron sharpens iron, it is loud. And there are sparks. And somebody gets nicked. And it's, it's impactful. And it's not always pleasant but the result is sharpening. It is not a pillow fight, okay? It's not when pillows fight pillows, sharpening happens. That's not, that's not what it says. Sometimes you need to be hit with an iron rod, and it's the best thing for you. And you want to put the, uh, the people in your lives to be the people who will smack you with an iron rod if you need it because they love you, and they're willing to risk everything to tell you the truth, right? Because those are faithful wounds. Faithful. You need it. You need it. And, and I don't have anywhere else to put this in the sermon, so I'm going to put it here because it fits best here. All right, so this is kind of like Proverb 32 from Bill, but here we go. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with having friends of the opposite sex. In fact, I think your best friend in your life, if you're married, should be of the opposite sex. I, I really do. But I will say this, primarily, if you are a guy, your best friends should be guys. And if you are a girl, your best friends, outside that marriage context now, should be girls. Because if you're a guy and you got 12 friends and all of them are women, they're your best friends in the world, and they're all girls, let me tell you how weird that is going to be when you do get married, when your groomsmen are all girls. <laughs> okay? What kind of shoes are we wearing? You know, I mean, 
It's just going to be weird. There are certain things that guys can tell guys and girls can tell girls because they're because they understand it. And in a culture that likes to blend everything, and, and oh, it's not, no, it is a good thing for guys to have guy friends and girls to have girlfriends. I'm not saying you shouldn't have friends the opposite sex, but those closest to you, guys need to be some guys. Because guys are going to hammer you if they're your friends. Gals, they'll tell you the things you need to hear. You don't want your roommate, you, your roommate should not be one that, that sees you dating that guy, who sees you spending your money that way, who sees you just leaving this job and doing this, and they don't say anything to you. They just let you run. That is not your friend, that's your enemy. So look for those that'll tell you the truth, and, and there ought to be some guys that speak truth to you guys and some girls to you girls, right? It's a good place to put that. One more, the immoral. Watch out for the immoral guy, the immoral gal. Here's what he says in 29. He has a lot to say about this. The entirety of chapter 7 speaks about this. We'll look at that later in the summer. But he says, he who loves wisdom makes his father glad. A companion of prostitutes squanders as well. This is foolishness. The immoral is, just rolling with them is foolish. And, and what that means is this. If the person is not pushing you towards purity, then, then they're probably not the one you should be rolling with. Ladies, if they're getting you to dress in a way that is more and more promiscuous and more and more this, so that you feel this, but it, it's, it's not helpful to men and it's certainly not helpful to purity, then they're not your friend. Guys, if they're if the guys are pulling you to watch this and oh, there's only like seven or eight scenes in it, it's not so bad. And and we're gonna, you know, send you the emails and look at it, you see this. And if they're pushing you towards immorality and not towards purity, they're not your friend. They want to destroy you. So Solomon says this: he who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. Who he says, the ones I want as my friend are the ones who love purity. Young men. You, you surround yourself with young men who want to be pure, who are going to ask you the hard questions. Hey, where have you been? I hadn't seen you in three weeks at Bible study. Hey, how are you doing on a computer? This has huge implications for dating, doesn't it? Look, I, I know he's cute and he has, wears skinny jeans and he drives an Audi. Great. It is hard enough for two Christians who love Jesus to remain physically pure before marriage. Please don't tell me that you can handle it because you're going to be wearing a Dodger jersey. I'm just telling you, it is unwise. It is unwise. People that pull you away from purity are not, are not your friends, right? They want to destroy you because they want you to run in the same way. It's quite the list, isn't it? I mean, if you're honest, you got to say, well, <laughs> I can't be friends with any of my friends anymore. <laughs> They're all a bunch of knuckleheads, and I can't be friends with anybody because I'm an idiot too. That's, that's not the point, all right? We, we get that we all struggle. But here, and I'm not saying go home and delete everyone from your phone and get rid of all your Instagram followers. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is this. You need to be purposeful about who you run with because they will influence you. You will perish for lack of friends, and you will perish for the wrong type of friends. Just the way it is. All right, and so be wise, and ultimately, you be the friend that you want others to be. You be the friend that you want others to be for you. All right, it's the best thing you can do. All right, let's talk real quick because I'm running out of time here about maintaining friends. How do we maintain? And 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 Solomon has a ton to say about it all, but let me just give you three kind of principles, three C's, kind of to close this thing out. 
First one is this. How do we maintain? There needs to be consistency. And when I mean consistency, I don't mean you're consistently at their house. In fact, he actually deals with this in Proverbs 25. He says, let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Okay? So, so don't go to his house every night. Don't text him. Don't put every picture of every meal you've ever eaten on Instagram. Okay? We don't care about what your Cheerios look like. I don't care if you saw the baby Jesus in the Cheerios or not. We don't care. Uh, all right? Be seldom. But what I, th- what I mean by consistency is this. You are there at all times. A friend loves at all times. And the implication of all times, it's easy to like people when things are going well and you're at the beach and everything's happy at the picnic on the playground. That's easy. That's not all times. All times is when they are grumpy and a jerk and they have hurt you. Is that hard? Yes, which is why he tells you to do it, because it's not natural. And some of y'all, you quit too easy. As soon as it gets tough, you're out, right? You, kind of that bridge, well, we'll start over, we'll do a new. And, and look, if it's getting tough, that means it's getting real. In fact, I would say this, if you are never hurt by someone, if you are never let down, if there is never, ever any conflict, then you probably don't have any really, really close friends. Everybody's married is like, yeah, that's right. Because the closer you get, you will see their brokenness, and then you're going to have to love them, right? Because there is a friend, Jesus, who sticks closer to a brother, and he says, now it's your turn, because I've done it. It's hard, yes. Have they hurt you? Yes. Were they wrong? Absolutely. Your point? You will never be asked to forgive anyone more than Christ has forgiven you, period. Period. Right? That's why Paul says in Ephesians 4, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving. Why? Because God in Christ forgave you, period. We don't do it because it makes us good. We do it because Christ has forgiven us, period. So there needs to be some consistency, and maybe some of you need to run back to some folks you haven't talked to in six years, seven years, and be like, bro, I was wrong. Sorry. Right? Sorry. Consistency. Second thing is this, is counsel. If you're going to maintain friendship, there needs to be counsel. Right? It, It has to be. And this is not just one person talking and the other person listening. There is a back and forth. There is you speak, I speak. Both are necessary. Because if only one person speaks and one person listens, this person gets arrogant, this person gets frustrated. Right? And if you're this person that you can't hear from anybody and you and everybody, it's always everyone else's fault, blah, blah, blah. No, it's probably your fault, typically, because you don't listen. For there to be counsel, it is a back and forth. It, it, it requires both, where you invite people to speak to you, and then I can speak to you, and there's no you know, agenda. It's just, I want what's best for you, you want what's best for me. You can see deep into my soul, I can see deep. We're going to see to the bottom, there's going to be transparency. Does that mean it's always going to be sweet? Sometimes it's going to be iron. Sometimes it's going to be reassuring. The result is always growth. This is the C. This is community. This is what you need because you have blind spots and you cannot see things that other people can see. And this is why you have to listen, right? It's the only way to live wise is if you're letting people speak truth. If you have the scripture, you have what Christ has says, but he has also empowered and filled his local church by his spirit 
to encourage you, to challenge you, to rebuke you, to admonish you, and you need to listen. So there has to be a give and take in a counsel. You need those relationships. And, and the final C, it's the big E on the I chart. It's the obvious. It's the Christ. Who is the model, who is the source of strength, who is our foundation. Through the night he was betrayed, looks at these 12 men who he knows, these three over here are going to fall asleep three times, and I ask him to stay awake and pray. And this guy over here, he thinks he's real strong. He's going to deny he even knows me. And the rest of these guys, these 11, they're not even going to show up at my cross. And that guy right there, he actually is the one to turn me in. And he says to them, you're my friend. You're my friend. I stick closer than a brother. I love at all times. You're my friend. And the entire reason that Jesus leaves heaven and comes to earth is not to live a good life and be, you know, show us an example. He comes to earth to lose his friendship with his father so that the father who he has been friends with for all eternity past in intimacy and oneness turns his back, rejects his son, pours out the wrath of hell on him for you so that you could be a friend of God. That's why he is born. So that he would, his friendship would be terminated with the Father for a certain amount of time. So that you could experience friendship with God. Right? That's how much he loves you. That he takes his enemy and says, you're my friend. But I hate you. I know and I love you. I'm your friend. He chooses you to be his friend. Right? So he is the foundation. He is the source. He is the model. And you're thinking, well, that's great and all, but what does that mean for me? That means the others that are just like that for you you go do it the same. That person that's hard to love, wasn't any harder than you were. Wasn't any harder than you. Person that's hurt you, not as much as nails through hands and feet, a pierced side, not as much as that. However much someone's hurt you, not as much as you hurt Jesus. And he did it because he wanted you to be his friend. And so here's, we, we, we land here. Two questions for you to move into worship, and we're gonna sing. Number one, who are you pursuing? Who are you following? Just evaluate it. Think about it. Are these people making me more like Jesus? Yes or no? Great question. And secondly is this. If we are influenced by the one we hang with, think about how much time you've spent with Jesus in the last couple weeks. Because if you think you're going to be like him and you're never spending time with him, you're not. The more you are with him, the more you will be like him, period. I mean, really. Are you taking time to be with him regularly? It doesn't have to be some formalized, wear a suit, you know, bring out the King James Version and journal for seven hours. I mean, just talking to him, listening to him, reading the scripture, thinking about him, meditating. You will be like him when you spend time with him. That's my encouragement to you is, hey, make him the friend of your heart. And if every other friend turns away, like they did for Paul, by the way, Demas, having love, this world's gone. This guy left me. This guy left me. This guy left me. I got Dr. Luke and I got Jesus. That's all I got. But that's enough. He is a friend who will stick closer and brother. So if everyone else leaves you, he won't. So make him your best friend and he will be the friend that you all desire. Let's stand. Let's pray. Let's worship.
Jesus, you are our king, you are our God, you are our savior, you are our creator, you are our redeemer, you have set aside your father's wrath, you have justified us, you are sanctifying us, and all those things, you are king of kings and lord of lords, and yet you call us your friend. And I pray that we would see the greatness of that truth, that Jesus is a friend of sinners. Man, what a just a dramatic statement that the holy God would be friends with sinners. I pray, Father, as as those who are sinners, who are broken, help us to pursue those relationships that make us more like you. Lord, for the lonely in this room, let them see you and, and be comforted. For the ones who are being influenced in a way that is not, just it's not a good direction for them, Lord, bring them back to those who will. For those who are hurt, have been harmed, help them to love through that. Even though that's tough, I know, because that's what you have done. And, and Lord, ultimately, we just want to be wise in our friendships and our lives. Make us a church that's wise, not necessarily smart, but we just want to be wise so that the world will see your people living out your good works and glorify you, Lord, heaven.